Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Tom Moran here from Tom's Big Spiders. Today's episode, I'm going to tackle something I've been avoiding now for about two years. I get constant requests through YouTube and recently through the podcast and sometimes through email. Hey, Tom, can you do a list of the most visible tarantulas? And I've kind of shied away from this because A, I think it's been done before. B, with the listing, and I've gone through this many times in the past, the lists, uh, everyone loves lists. I love lists. I was on a list the other day. It was like top 50 horror movies from the 2000s, and every I love lists. They're fun to go through, but they always, they always suffer from the same issues, which is basically it's somebody's opinion on something, and to make a good list or a list that people are going to talk about or a list that's going to create some discourse and dialogue. Usually what they do is people that make lists put something on the list that is outrageous or that makes you go, what? And then it kind of opens. So there's always that controversial entry on the list. And and I don't know how many lists I've read or watched. You know, they obviously, they do f- film versions of them, TV shows will do top 10 or whatever. And there's always that plant in there, that one that's supposed to make you kind of scratch your head. And it just drives me nuts because it's it makes them kind of ridiculous because I've had lists that I've read that I've agreed with. And then something's completely undermined the entire integrity of the list because it's so ridiculous. So I, it's tough to make a list. And I think people that have been in the hobby for a while, anytime you do like the beginner species list, there aren't many shocking entries anymore for beginner species list. We know pretty much what's going to come up on the list because they've been tried and true and people have been keeping them for years now and we recognize what the good species are. So every once in a while you'll see a beginner's list that somebody will do that'll have some on there that'll be like, whoa, where did that come from? That's a terrible entry or something you have never thought of before because you're trying to make it more interesting and less predictable. So that's one of my big issues with the list plus the fact that it's one person's opinion in most cases. It's one, whether, it, you know, the, the movie one I was doing, it was one horror fan that I would say he and I had similar tastes on some of them. Other ones, it was like, you've got to be kidding me. But it comes down to you can't really make a definitive list for some of these tarantula species. I think that's the thing I have a lot of issue with. They make great videos. They make entertaining videos. Somebody was commenting on one of my videos the other day I was going back and forth with, and they're like, man, you should do more stuff to attract more people over here. you know. And they started giving me some advice, and I'm like, believe me, I know what I could do to attract more people over here. Number one, you do a lot of feeding videos. Number two, you do a lot of lists. People love lists. They're fun. I, I fall into that trap sometimes where I'll be on YouTube and a list will pop up and I'm like, okay, I'll bite and I will watch the video. And sometimes I'm like, oh, that was really good. And sometimes I'm like, oh, dear Lord, you can see where they were just trying to make a statement and put some stuff on there that would rile people up and get some discussion going. So I tend to shy away from the list for those reasons, especially, and here's my biggest point with the list. And this kind of, you know, I feel odd doing this, but I'm about to do kind of a list, but it's more just things that I've observed in my own collection. So I feel like I need to kind of put this disclaimer in here that I am no expert and that your results or experiences may vary with some of these guys. But there are close to a thousand identified tarantulas, species of tarantulas out there. I have kept, I I don't want to say the wrong number, but I think it's around 110 to 120 around there, 138. I quite a few, but only a mere percentage of how many are totally out there. And I represent only one keeper. So I may keep an H. lividus, and it may be the most visible spider in my entire collection. That could be the honest guy truth. I see I come in, it's sitting there on, it's got some web, it sits right out in the open. It's a great showcase spider. However, most people would not agree with that. If kept correctly, there are fossil oil species, you don't see them. So then you start running into the problem where, all right, these may be my most visible spiders. This may be my group that I'm putting forth is my top 10, but it doesn't necessarily correspond to this keeper's uh, experiences or this keeper's experience. So what you end up having is just kind of a list that's pretty worthless. But anyway, I get a lot of requests for the most visible species in the collection. Could you make a top 10 list? Could you make a top 15, top 20? And I'm not going to present this as top 20. I will tell you right now, what I've been doing is kind of walking around my tarantula room and jotting down ones that I know I'm always going to see out. And I won't present present them in any particular order per se, meaning I'm not going to go, this is the best, this is tough. Although one, I'm going to put one at number one. It's kind of a tongue in cheek, but it's kind of true in a sense. But again, 
please, my disclaimer for this one, this this is based on my collection, my experiences. When possible, I've tried to include ones that I've had kept more than one species because it gives me a better idea that, all right, this wasn't just one. This wasn't an anomaly. This species I've actually found is, is quite out and about and visible. But no, right off the bat, one question I got the other day, which I I, I don't want to say I found it funny. I, it wasn't so much funny, but it was just kind of like it showed some inexperience. Somebody said they really want to keep fossorials. Could I please tell them what is the best, uh, most visible fossorial species? And I kind of paused for a minute because I'm like, well, by nature of fossorials, they're not going to be visible if, if kept correctly, if they do dig. Now, granted, you can have fossorial species that choose not to dig. And we can have like, I'll, I'll point to the Afonopelma samani, which is one that a lot of us find that ours burrow right up through adulthood. But some people have ones that don't burrow. So you have a situation where... Some person may have one that just sits right out in the open at all times, is very visible, and to them, that's one of their most visible tarantulas. However, a lot of us have ones that are, like right now, mine's in a burrow that I can see because it's right up against the glass, but I wouldn't necessarily call her a visible T. So know that when we go through this list, I'm going to break it down a bit in terms of like types of tarantulas. So we'll talk a little bit about some arboreal ones I've noticed that are visible, some terrestrial ones, some larger species, things of that nature. I'm not going to pose it as a list. I'm just going to mention some of the ones that I've seen. So also it should be stated before getting into this. And this, I, I don't think sometimes we break things down enough for those that are new into the hobby to recognize that there's a huge difference between the behaviors of a sling or even a juvenile and an adult. So for anybody that's listening to this list and, and you're planning on getting a sling or a juvenile, know that they often burrow. So the, all bets are off as far as visibility for those species. I realized years ago when I was doing my like I think it was a beginner species list and I talked about something being visible and somebody went, hey, you know, I picked up one of these LPs and I never see the thing. Uh, it was a sling. And I didn't make that differentiation when I was doing the video to, or the, I think it was an article at that time saying, hey, by the way, your sling's probably going to burrow. So it, it, keep in mind that the smaller specimens are going to burrow. If you get a sling, it's not going to be visible for most of these species here. There's a couple that will be out and about, but the majority of them you won't see very much. That comes with the territory. We're talking about once they hit, you know, young adulthood, you're going to see them out almost all the time. So to kick this one off, this one I hesitated to put on the list, but mine's been very visible. I've talked to a couple of buddies that theirs have been visible. I know others that are more shy. But I have Salmapias cambridgei. This would obviously be under arboreal species because one of the things I found with some of the arboreal species is you really don't see them all that much. Even some of my Pisolotheria will be out and about sometimes, but then more often than not, the majority of them hide immediately. So I'm talking about ones I see out and about all the time. My P. cambridgei has been a very visible spider for me. Now, again, as sling as a sling, it buried itself in the, in the majority of the arboreal species, with the exception of Vicularia, who are usually out and about, or at least web up a little thing off the ground. These guys will kind of burrow behind, make some dirt curtains. Once she hit juvenile size, I started seeing her out more often. Once I put her in her adult enclosure, which is an extra large exoterra, I see her all the time. She's constantly out and about. She will, when I open the enclosure, if I disturb it enough, will sometimes slink behind her her cork bark hide, but for the most part, she's right out in the side of the cage. In fact, sometimes make it, makes it difficult to feed her because I'll go to pull the top off and she'll be planted right on the side of the enclosure. So I've been able to get some good photos of her lately. Now, again, I've talked to other people that theirs are much more shy. So this was a tough one to add to the list, but it is one of the ones I've seen more often. I'm talking about ones of my collection and compared to other Salmapia species, like I have the Reduncus, that I can catch out occasionally, but they quickly skirt behind or into their burrows or behind their cork bark when disturbed. So I don't, occasionally I catch a foot or I'll catch one on the side of the enclosure in the morning when I turn on the lights, but then it scurries away. My Cambridge eye tends to sit out whether the lights are on or not. And today I went in just to double check and she was planted right on the side of the enclosure and got a nice good look at her. So for me, that that's one of the species that I found is out and about. They're gorgeous. They're underrated. Uh, this is one that I picked up. I actually got her as a freebie years ago and strategically purchased just enough so I could get the cheaper freebie, even though there was another spider I wanted because I tried it once before. A lot of times they'll offer freebies and you get one for like spending 100 one for spending 200 Well, I had spent 200 but specifically asked for the cheaper freebie because I wanted that spider and I got sent the more expensive freebie, so I had to go back again and order 100 more, but... Anyway, that's one of, she's become one of my favorites, and for me at least, she's been very, very visible. Now, while on the topic of arboreals, let's just follow along with arboreals. The avicularia species, avicularia, avicularia, or avicularia, what is it, Caramorph 6 or Metallica, whichever one the Metallica is, I've kept both, and both of those have been very visible. They'll do a bit of webbing as slings, so expect the slings to be a little more 
a little more shy, but I found that the adult specimens tend to abandon the webbing for the most part. My avicularia metallicas were always right out in the open. You could see them at all times. My avicularia avicularia male was like from about two inches on, was very visible, always out in the open, which was good because he was a gorgeous little dude. And then obviously when he matured, he was out and about. And that's something that should be mentioned as well, that obviously mature males are a little different story because they're generally not going to hide. They're going to be out walking about the enclosures looking for a lady. So they're going to be much more visible than their female counterparts. So a little stipulation that when we're talking about visible species, mine are all, I'm mostly talking about the females, but avicularias are very easy to come by. These are ones that I think I get more people that pick these up from pet stores like Petco and such. I think they're still probably pulling them out of the wild, which is a shame. And then they're going into Petco where they're not being kept correctly. Somebody just emailed me pictures of one that was in like one of their little reptile enclosure areas with some uh, bark, the, the reptobark stuff, I think it's called, that we used to use this for snakes and stuff, and no hide, a water dish, a light, bright light on it, nothing to hide behind, no foliage. It was just a terrible enclosure. So unfortunately, these guys are out and about in the pet stores quite a bit, but they're also beautiful specimens. They're hardy, once, especially once they put on some size, they're fairly hardy, and you're going to see them all the time. And they're fluffy. So I will say these are one of the species that when people come over and they're like, oh, you have spiders, they tend to like, at least I found that people warm up a little bit quick, more quickly to the fluffier ones. So I remember my Metallica, I had people over and I hit it with a flashlight and those little hairs catch the light. They almost look like fiber optics. And it's amazing. I remember the people being very impressed by that. Like, oh, it's fluffy. Oh, look at that. So Definitely Vicularia species, ones that you will see out and about. You can set up some beautiful enclosures. Again, arboreals are just something elegant about the taller enclosures, especially if you include either fake or real foliage. I'm leaning toward real foliage now if you want to throw some pothos plants in there, some cork bark or whatever, create a nice setup. Generally, they kind of sit right out in the open, at least they always have for me. And kind of in the same vein as this one, I'm going to throw in the Carabina Versicolor, which is another one that, again, a little more webbing, but I found that even when they web, they're usually sitting right on top. They'll web kind of like little cocoons, little socks, especially if you give them enough coverage to do so. Or if you give them a cork bark round, they will sometimes adapt to the inside of the cork bark round, use that as the hide. But I found that mine's usually out right in the open. My big female, she obviously is a sling, webbed quite a bit and stayed in her webbing at most times. This was the one I used to feed with tweezers because she wouldn't come down to the ground to hunt. And I would drop in a little like, pre-killed kind of smushed roach and she'd grab it. It was adorable. Well, once she hit about the three-inch mark or so, she was out much, much more. I put her into a new enclosure. Again, the only thing that kind of obscures them at times is the webbing. They can be heavy webbers, but I found that mine will be out right on top of the webbing in most times. And my older female actually kind of, oh, she's webbed a little sock around the corner. By I've got the plant coming up and the cork bark and she's webbed a little sock. It's right up against the glass. So even when she's in the web sock, you can see her. But I went in there again today, this morning, because I've been kind of checking on them to kind of get an idea like, all right, who's always out? And she was planted right on the side of the enclosure. And one of the little babies that I kept from her her, which is now about three and a half inches or so, was also is out all the time now. She is out of her cork bark hide. She did have a cork bark round in there, and she had been hiding that for quite some time. I moved her over from a sling to this larger enclosure, and now she's always out and about. She will go back to her hide if I startle her. However, like I went in there this morning, she's sitting right on the side. I went in there yesterday, she's right on the side. So those Vicularia species, and obviously Carabina, those have been in the hobby for a little while, know the Carabina versicolor used to be Avicularia versicolor. I still slip sometimes and say that, but those are two good ones. And the versicolor, the colors are just astounding. I mean, they really are one of the prettiest spiders you can get. And they're one of the cool ones that they're beautiful as slings and they're beautiful as adults and all the transitions in between are beautiful. So you kind of always have a gorgeous, colorful spider in your collection. They go from that bright blue to all of a sudden they pick up some of those purples and lavenders, just really gorgeous animals. So definitely add those to the list if you're looking for uh, arboreal species to keep that you're going to see quite a bit. Those are two good ones. Now, I have to include a piece of Letharia species in this one, and I kind of... This is a tough one for me because they're... They're out sometimes, they're not out others, and I kind of look at like, so for example, my Pisolotheria regalis, gorgeous spider, 
spends a lot of her time hidden. My original Pivotata was out in the open quite a bit and was always visible. I'd open the top of the enclosure. She'd be right on top of the cork bark, right on the side of the cage. She was also very calm, which made it nice. My two Pivotatas that I have now that are young adult size, like four inches, four and a half inches or so, one of them is kind of out quite a bit. The other one hides quite a bit. It's it's all over the place. Metallicas, P. Metallicas. Mine went through a stage, my older female, where you didn't see her much at all. Now she's out and about quite a bit, but having spoken to many people about P. Metallicas, most of theirs are very photosensitive and shy. So I don't really want to include that because it sounds like mine may be the anomaly in that case. And I have the ones that are kept in the communal setup. And those are usually, if I come down in the morning, they'll all be on the side of the enclosure. But once I kick the lights on, they all hide. So I couldn't really include them. But I did notice the two that I have that seem to be out and about most are my piece Letheria rufaladas. Again, they will hide if disturbed too much. More Honestly, more often than not, if I pick up the cage, the enclosure, they flatten out wherever they are and they don't move. Now, a couple times, you know, sometimes they'll go under the cork bark, but more often than not, they're sitting right on the side or flattened down on the bottom. So mine are very visible. I've, again, been going back and every time I go in the transfer room, I kind of make a mental note lately because I knew this one was podcast was coming up on who's always out. And those two are planted right on the side of the enclosure. Every morning I flick the lights on, some of my other pokies go scramble. They're right on the side of the enclosure. And again, I have two of them. Both of them act the same way. So I don't see any differences in their attitudes or their personalities as so far as that's concerned but for me that's probably the most visible pokey I have right now that's not to say other species won't work and I would say overall if you're looking for stunning arboreals and you're not you know scared off by the reputation the pokies have obviously I've done a lot to try to dispel some of the negative stigmas that surround Pisolotheria species. If you're into old worlds and you're looking for something that's beautiful, you honestly can't go wrong with any of them. Sure, it might hide on occasion, but I do catch the majority of them. Even my, the most elusive would probably be that, uh, Peace Letheria regalis, and I still catch her out quite a bit. So I think any pokey would kind of do well, but right now, if I was just going to pick the top pokey in my collection that I see out all the time, it would be the P. Rufalata, which is great because right now they're gigantic. They're about seven, probably close to eight inches now. Actually, I should have gotten a measurement today because one of them was planted and stretched out right on the side of the enclosure. And that greenish coloration is just stunning. And I just, that was one of the species that was late in getting. I don't know why. And I had seen pictures of them that didn't do them justice. So I'm like, they look muddy to me they don't look pretty and then I picked mine up and they got that green and that was it they were easily right to the top of the list of my favorite pokies as far as a physical appearance so definitely any pokey I've found can be a good one. Metallica's generally, they're the ones that have the reputation for being the most skittish and and scared of light. But I've had some good luck with mine too. But any pokey, if you're looking for a a beautiful spider to have on display for friends or in your house or wherever it may be. And I will tell you that people are impressed by Pisolotheria species because there's just nothing like them. They're so regal, lithe, just amazing animals. So that would definitely be one that makes the list. Now, for the next one, we're going to go from one end of the spectrum to the other. Big arboreals with, you know, potentially nasty bites to little little kind of small diminutive almost dwarf species in the homeomo species chalensis, which again can be difficult to find. And I want to remind people that if you're picking up slings and it seems to be all that's available out there nowadays are slings, and this is because they closed the borders off, they're no longer exporting them out of Chile, which is a good thing, but it means all the adult specimens and juvenile specimens that we used to see on the market are no longer available. So if you want one, you have to get a teeny tiny little sling, and they are teeny tiny, and it won't be visible. It will burrow. They sometimes don't eat particularly great. So this can be a, a species that can confound some people, especially those new to the hobby that aren't used to the fact that spiders aren't like dogs and cats that they need to eat every single day and sometimes not even every single month. But when you get a larger specimen, once they abandon the burrows, and most of them will, they'll dig a little burrow. I will say my female actually for the first time ever dug herself a burrow and did a lot of webbing. It was weird because I've kept these guys for quite some time and I've had a big issue with them not settling in well. I think part of it was the fact that they were obviously plucked out of the wild. There were adult females and they just didn't settle down. This one finally did a burrow and it will sometimes go to the burrow, but more often than not, these guys are very inquisitive 
And when you open that enclosure, I can't tell you how many people I talk to say, yeah, as soon as I open the enclosure, it just climbs right out. And I've had mine climb out into my hand. I don't handle as a rule. I generally not into handling. This is the one spider that I end up handling quite a bit because it comes out and I just put my hand there and it climbs right into it. And sometimes it'll just sit there like it likes the warmth. I don't know. It likes the texture of my hand. Who knows? But it's adorable. And then I'll have to kind of put her back in the enclosure because I'm doing maintenance or feeding or whatever. But mine is always very visible. And part of it is the fact that it is so curious. As soon as you open that enclosure, they're investigating. So I think they can be a good one. Just know again that if you're picking up a sling, it's going to be quite some time before you get to see some of this, you know, inquisitive and curious behavior because the slings are going to be shy. They're going to hide. They're going to be difficult to spot because they're so tiny and you're not going to see them all that much. But once they hit a certain point around that, you know, 1.5, two inch mark, you should start seeing them more and more. And obviously the adults are very inquisitive, very, out in the open, nice little showcase spider. And it's a good spider if, and I always think in terms of when you have tarantulas, when you're keeping, you know, species like the exotic pets that people aren't used to when you have company over, there's always that moment where, you know, they don't want to go, they don't want to see them, they don't want to see them, they don't want to see them, then they want to see them. And you bring them into the room. These guys are so cute that a lot of people, it kind of, they warm up to them faster than they would a larger specimen. So a good one to have on hand. You go, all right, you know, I know you don't want to see the big, Theraphosis thermi over there, but check out this little guy here. And so that can help and go a long way. So again, they make great showcase spiders as far as I'm concerned. It's just difficult to get a hold of those larger specimens. Now, the next one up, I'm just going to throw the whole genus in there for the most part. But we'll we'll start with Formictopus cancerides. Uh, the Formictopus, I obviously have a lot of Formictopus species. I've, I think I... Eight or nine species slash colorations because I'm still not convinced some of these ones that are out there like the greens, like the species purples aren't just different color variations or regional variations of the same species. Until we do a study on them, until taxonomists really examine the genus, we're kind of at a loss for what exactly we have, which stinks because there are some absolutely gorgeous ones out there. And I would love to be able to definitively say this one is its own species, but I can't. But anyway, I keep, I think, eight or nine different color variations slash species. And I found that all of them, once they hit around three or four inches, which doesn't take long for most of the Formictopus specimens, are very visible, very out in the open. In fact, some of the best showcase spiders I have, because not only they're all visible, but their colors are stunning. So you have a big, and they're large. So we have a couple things going for them there. So large, great colorations. Again, we'll go with the standard Formictopus cancerides because it's probably the most readily available and inexpensive. You're talking about if you buy a sling in the right conditions, you know, I had mine in the 60s, high 60s, low 70s, and and they easily hit four inches in a year, kept warmer. They probably grow larger than that. Do know that they tend to hit a slowdown once they hit around the five inch mark. And I've spoken to other people that have experienced this as well, that you get a lot of growth right up to like the four to five inch mark. And then they slow down a little bit and they can take longer between molts, but they're always out in the open. And if you want to, I have a species green femur that is in an enclosure, one of the Jamie's enclosures. And I purposely put her in there because I wanted a good showcase spider. Now I give them all hides. None of them use the hides. I don't have any of them use the hides and I've given them space to dig. They'll do some digging, some bulldozing, but they're not really hiding in burrows and using burrows. They're generally sitting right out in the open. And I know these, especially the cancerides, have a reputation for being very ornery. And I'm not going to discount the fact that I know many of my friends, hobby friends out there, report that theirs can be quite the handful. Mine are actually pretty laid back. So when you open up an enclosure and you want to show somebody a spider, there's this big, like I'm thinking of the Oratus, a big golden spider sitting there, or the species green with the just, again, I can't get enough of green spiders spiders or the ones that everybody loves the dominicans the uh, dominican violets which are stunning purples and violets and one of mine almost had like a, a pink carapace with the purple eggs just stunning animals the the quintessential showcase spider as far as i'm concerned because if i'm going to show somebody a tarantula if i'm going to bring somebody over my house and show them you know an impressive animal breaking out a seven to eight inch purple spider you can't get much better than that. That's it. In the very least, it's going to create a sense of awe with them. Even if they don't like spiders, they're going to go, they're going to walk away from that experience impressed. So awesome. I, again, pick any 
for Mictopus. I've found that the Aratus have grown a little more slowly than some of the other ones. My Atachromatus are actually a little more shy than my Formictopus Cancerides. Cancerides can be a little bit more bold. My green femurs are pretty laid back. I mean, it all depends on the species. The Dominican Violets are probably the most skittish I have, and I get the most threat postures, but only when I startle them with a prey item. They're not really coming at me, and it's, it's not in a aggressive manner. I hate that word. It's definitely defensive where I startle them and they throw up the threat posture, but I haven't had really many issues with any of them. So for Mictopus, for those looking for larger specimens to have on display, for Mictopus offer the size, they're easy to care for, they're beautiful no matter what stage you get them, and they're always out in the open, which is great. Now while talking about large tropical species that we can keep, we can't leave out the L. parahybana, Lasiodora parahybana, or honestly any, and again, this is where these lists get silly, and this is why I'm not doing this as a top 10 list, because you could literally, some of these genera of tarantulas, you can pick just about every single one of them and have it be a display spider. But the Lasiodora parahybana, again, they're a dime a dozen. They're very easy to find. They're very sought after by more so newer hobbyists I think it's I think a lot of people get into keeping the Lasiodora species because they want to keep the biggest spider out there they read about Theraphosa species and realize that they're not ready for it but then they hear about the spider that can be just as big supposedly and is easier to keep and they jump all over and that would obviously be the LP or Lasiodora parahybana but again overall Quick, uh, fast-growing tarantulas. They're very, very easy to keep. The husbandry on these guys, I mean, these guys are like bulletproof as far as husbandry is concerned. They are big. They are gorgeous. They are cool spiders. And I, mine are always sitting right out in the open so everybody can see them. Now, caveat to that again, and I keep saying this only because I, I found that when you don't repeat stuff like this, people will hear that you've said it with some and not the others and assume that you don't mean it for that one. Slings will burrow. The slings all burrow. This was my first. As a matter of fact, one of the anecdotes I tell about tell people that are embarrassed because they'll contact me and go, "Hey, my sling burrowed. Is this normal? I, I feel like I, I it's normal, but I I'm worried and I want to ask somebody." And I always try to put their mind at ease, going, "Listen, I read all this stuff about slings burrowing. I read all this stuff about Lasiodora parahybana burrowing in slings. I got my Lasiodora parahybana sling. I put it in a Jamie's enclosure. It ate a few times. It buried itself, and I freaked the heck out. And I was like, "Is it dead? It's how's it?" going to breathe like this is the stuff we all go through so yes this one is going to burrow more often than that they burrow to i found mine all stopped around the three and a half four inch mark i had one that went a little longer that was about four inches or so and was still using her hide and kind of burrowing a little bit but my big girl now is about eight inches and she is always right out in the open she actually filled in i, I gave her two hides cork bark hides on either end of the enclosure with enough space that she could you know get her big booty underneath there and both of them she completely ignored and actually ended up filling in and webbing over i have another one that i've raised from a sling that's probably about seven inches or so now she's a little slower growing one, a little smaller one and she's also got a hide in her enclosure doesn't use it at all always out in the open and again talking earlier when you when you talk about a showcase spider you want something that's going to be impressive that people are going to look at and go wow look at that and they are big beautiful spiders they're like they've got that black coloration with those salmon colored hairs and they're just really cool looking spiders easy to keep that's another one so anybody that's listening to this podcast right now that hasn't kept tarantulas yet or is just getting into the hobby these guys are bulletproof i mean it's almost one of those ones if you kill an lp you you should be in the hobby because they're so they're adaptable they the slings do appreciate moisture i kept my juveniles moist as well but as adults i kind of let it dry out and they do perfectly fine as long as they have a water dish so lazy door parahybana easily one of the you know if you're going to Put a list together and talk about the most accessible, the ones most readily available, cheapest and easier to easiest to keep. The LP is really, if this were a top 10 list, would be right up there, top one or two, I would say, in my opinion. All right, next up, I wrestled with this one because let's call it as it is, Brachypelma species, Flocotl or whatever, however we pronounce that new name, species, Gramostola species, even some Afonopelma species, all of them can make excellent showcase spiders so this is where the list would get ridiculous because as i started writing things down i realized every single one of my grandma stola was out and about every single one of my brachy pelma were out and about my t albos were out and about my t voggins were out and about it's like where do you draw the line so 
honestly, any of these will work, but I'm going to pick a couple that are readily available and very popular and beautiful. And one's just one of my personal favorites, so it's going to make the list. But any of these could work, so please don't think I'm slighting any of them. We could literally have this list go, we could just go through all of these species in these genera and add them all to it. So here we go. I'm going to start off with the hobby staple, Brachypelma smithy or Brachypelma hammeri or hammeri. I've heard a couple different pronunciations of this one lately, so it's got me all confused, but you guys know what I'm talking about. Anyway, the hammeri were the ones that are more prominent in the hobby until recently, but Fear Not Tarantulas just had B. Smithy, the real B. Smithy, the true B. Smithy in, hoping to grab up one of those because I really want to have one as well, but beautiful spiders. They can be, obviously, as slings are going to do some burrowing. Juveniles, i found, can be quite skittish, and mine as a juvenile, my B. hammeri as a juvenile, would actually bolt to her hide if disturbed now she's put on some size she's become more bold and these guys are stunning again they're they're a hobby they're considered to be one of the hobby staples for a reason and it's because again they're for years when people showed tarantulas in movies and in tv shows and stuff a lot of times it was a bee hammer eye i know that was the first tarantula the live the first live tarantula i ever saw in my life and it made a huge impression they're just beautiful animals and they sit right out in the open so anybody's they're one of those ones that people refer to <laughs> amicably as pet rocks because they kind of just sit there and don't move my no you know doesn't use her hide anymore she's always out in the open she's rather calm they can be a little kicky as far as juveniles are concerned i've had many people tell me they were shocked because they'll pick up like a three four inch one and they're expecting this thing that's just going to climb gently into their hand and be held and instead they get these little speed demons that race around and kick hairs if cornered so that's something to be aware of but they usually outgrow that behavior when they put on some size they become more bold and what you end up with is you know your quintessential showcase spider and that it's going to be right out in the open everybody can see it and you those flame looking knees with the colorations with the yellows and oranges and even reds almost just looks so striking against the black body so beautiful spiders while we're talking about you know the beginner ones here we i'm going to throw in there g kiragai or g pokra whichever you want to call it most likely Kiro guy if you're in the United States. I'm not sure how many of the polkas we really got. But anyway, it doesn't matter because they're both big, gorgeous, jet black spiders. And I will tell you, a lot of people love the big, giant, jet black spiders. And when I show people that they, we have spiders that are completely black, they're in awe of it. Almost as much as when you get a blue spider. It's weird because you think black is black. Who cares? But when you see these guys in person, they are stunning. And the majority of people that you speak to will tell you that once they put on some size, a, they're very laid back, and B, they're very visible. They will burrow as slings. They will do some burrowing as juveniles, most likely, but then they outgrow that behavior, and although they may do some bulldozing, they're usually out and about, and I'll tell you, you set these guys up. I do have to rehouse my older one. I want to get it into... Abe, and I say it because last time I tried to sex it, I thought it was a male, but I'm holding out hope that I get a lady, but we'll see. But anyway, I would, I want to get into something bioactive because I really want to have bright colors around that really make that black pop, but they are gorgeous spiders, always out in the open. Again, just if you want something that people are going to be able to see when they stop over your house, this is where to go. And then I'm going to go Grandma Stola Pulcropies, the Chaco Golden Eve, which is one of my all-time favorite species. Anybody that's followed me through YouTube or the podcast knows I absolutely love these guys. I have four of them. Even though I plan on getting rid of some, I end up keep keeping my extras, so to speak, because I just, I love these guys, but they, again, as slings, they definitely burrow, and that can be confounding, and I've had some disappear for like the entire winter in their burrows, and you start to worry whether or not they're dead, and then they pop out, and they're hungry again, so everything's good, they can take a while to grow when they're smaller, so before the one inch spot, what I found is once they hit like the inch and a quarter, inch and a half, they tend to pick up size pretty quickly, it's that period before they hit the you know inch and a half or so that they tend to grow very, very slowly, especially the really teeny tiny slings. But as adults, they are big. Those golden knees are just beautiful. And mine are always right out in the open. I open up an enclosure. They're just sitting there. And they're really tame too, really laid back overall. And I have four of them. Even a male is, if I was going to handle species, I would have no problem, or tarantulas, I'd have no problem sticking my hand there and picking them up. He's very laid back. So laid back, good looking, and always out in the open. They abandon that burrowing behavior and they just sit there. So if you set them up in a really nice enclosure with a lot of visibility, you're going to have a nice big proud spider sitting right out there for everybody to see. And again, we could, I'm going to cut it off here with the Grandma Stola Brachypelma species for the time being until I get to like a little further down the list. And there's a reason for that. 
because honestly, a lot of these guys could work very, very well. They're always, I found it all my Grammys and all my Brockies and my little Cuddle. I can't pronounce that name right. Feel free to try to chime in on how to pronounce it. That's how I'm doing it right now. My T species, um, all very visible. Albopolosums, obviously, T. albopolosums, another species that you could say are good as far as showcase. The, the, the hair is what puts them over the top because, again, people tend to love the fuzzy ones. And my lord, they are so fuzzy and cute. So that tends to help because I do think one of the things with the showcase spiders, and I, I get this from people when I tell them what good showcase spiders are, they go, yeah, but it's just brown. I don't want a brown one. And that kind of stinks because I think the brown ones don't get a lot of love sometimes because of the fact that for years in the hobby, the G. Porteria was one of the big, you know, one that everybody had in the collection. That's considered to be boring now. But I, I, you can't overlook the brown ones. The thing is, for somebody who doesn't know trans, if you have a showcase spider, and it, just in the name is implied that you're going to be showing these off to people, it doesn't matter if they're brown. I used to break out my G. Porteri for everybody to see. And when we'd have parties over, when Bill and I first moved out and it was like, you know, you're 20, 21, 22 years old and you're having the time of your life. You got freedom. You're having friends over, you know, and it would always inevitably be, hey, take the tarantula out. And we'd, we'd take it out, put it on the table. I'd open the, the top and people would gasp and back away. And aren't you afraid it's going to bite you? Aren't you afraid it's going to get out? We never handled it. Just to make that very clear. And that that's all it took. People were just excited to see a spider that was that big. So it didn't matter that it wasn't colorful. So don't pass up the brown ones when looking for showcase spiders just because they're, you know, you think they're drab. They're still impressive animals. And, all right, you know what? I lied. I was going to put this one, save this one to last, but we might as well hit it now. The Grammastola porteri or Grammastola rosea, the rose hairs, they're always out in the open. This is the one that kicked it all off for a lot of this. My G porteri has been in the same spot now for about two weeks. Funny story, actually not funny story, scary story. She's not eating as well after her last molt. Now, this is a spider, for those of you who haven't been following along, we picked her up. This is the one I was just talking about when Billy and I first moved out when we were in our 20s, I think 21 or so. So we've had her about 23, 24 years, going on 25 years, and she was four and a half inches when I got her, and she was a wild-caught specimen. So you're talking about a spider that was likely conservatively at least five years old i would guess being a wild caught specimen probably closer to 10 years old when i got her so she is an old old spider and she molted surprised me with a molt recently that i really didn't know she was in pre-molt at all and a lot of times the older spiders will die during or after a molt and we were really worried about her but she pulled through seemed to be doing okay i will say she's a little slower on the draw with her hunting and lately when i give her a large cricket she kind of mangles it she eats some of it but leaves a lot of it behind and she's been a little thinner so the sad truth is she's probably winding down and it's it, this is the spider that i've talked about before that it was when billy and i were discussing how sad it would be when she passed that i started looking to see what other tarantulas were out there and available and if i could get more because again we're in a state where you can't buy my pet stores and that started i mean she started tom's big spiders as far as i'm concerned it was directly because of us thinking about how sad it would be when we lost her it started me getting other tarantulas so it wouldn't be so terrible when she goes it's still gonna be terrible but anyway about the, my back to my story i go to check on her the other night and a couple of her legs are curled under her and they're kind of like she almost looked like she was twitching and i'm like no 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 this can't like we know it's coming and it's i'm guessing it'll probably be sooner than later if i'm being honest but i'm just not ready for it because she's been there for so long and so i pick up her enclosure and i lightly tap her back leg she doesn't budge and I break her down and I kind of normally don't do this, but I kind of blew on her a little bit because usually if you blow on if they're playing dead or not, you know, responding, that'll get them going. She didn't budge. So I took her out on the table and Billy's sitting there at the computer and my son Roan's there who's obsessed with her because he's just, he can't believe we've had this animal this long. And I'm like, uh, I think the queen's on her way out. So I take the enclosure, I get the paintbrush and I go to tap her back leg again because I'm about to, you know, this is it. Let's see what's going on. Is this going to be it with her? And she turns around and tries to bite the brush. So <laughs> she was not dead. She was not dying. She was, I don't know what her deal is. We have a dog, Lily. My, uh, She's a pit bull, probably a pit bull bulldog cross. And we're guessing she's probably 15, 16 years old. And she's a bit senile. And we kind of compared the two of them because they kind of have these weird, they just, animals get weird when they get older. And we kind of laughed about it because it's like, man, she's like Lily, just kind of plain dead. And then all of a sudden, boom, she got up and she was fine. And then I gave her a cricket and she actually drank and everything was good so anyway little story there this is going to be for all the people that yell at me for going on tangents but i wanted to share that one and it kind of fits in here because 
G. Portieri, man, you can't get any better than as far as a fighter that's going to be sitting right out in the open every single moment of his life, and in some cases, not moving at all for weeks at a time. We counted once, the Queen managed to stay in one spot for two full weeks. Two full weeks did not budge from the same spot. Now, it can be boring for some, and some people would go, well, that doesn't make a good showcase spider because the thing looks like it's dead, but I disagree. You're going to bring friends over. You want them to see something that's going to be just sitting there out in the open. Your G. Porteri, your G. Rosea, for the most part, should always be out in the open. Again, this is larger specimens, although I will say I have a little girl that I've had now, I think, Seven years, I got her as a, she was a third of an inch as a sling, so what, about a centimeter or so for folks that do the metric system, and maybe even smaller than a centimeter, and it took her forever to put on size. Like, right now, she's about an inch and a half, maybe, and I've had her for seven, over seven years, so that's how slow the growth rate has been for this one, but from about, I would say about a half inch on, she was always right out in the open. She never did a lot of burrowing. Early on, did a little bit of burrowing behind the cork bark. I had her in one of the Jamie's enclosures. But then later on, it just would sit right on the top. And I had one of these weird situations where I set up the enclosure. I had the cork bark glued to the back. I used to glue the cork bark to the back of the enclosure. And I filled it up with cocoa fiber. Well, all the cocoa fiber settled, which ended up leaving something that almost looked like an arboreal setup because the cork bark was rising way above the level of cocoa fiber. And she would sit right on top of the cork bark, like up in the air, like an arboreal. It was the cutest arboreal spider. It was the cutest thing ever. But always visible. Great spiders. They're not as, as available now. Again, Chile has closed their borders to exporting these guys. So we're not getting the adults that we're getting for years. We probably, no, probably about, we drastically depleted the wild numbers of these guys by pulling them out and selling them into the pet trade. So now we got to rely on people breeding them. And for a while, there were kind of. People were considering them boring. It was very fashionable for folks doing, you know, YouTube or going on the boards to show how how impressive they were in the hobby by bashing them. So it'd be like, oh, nobody does them. They're boring. They're pet rocks. They're terrible. They fast. And so for a while, they kind of fell out of vogue. But I think there's a lot of us out there that love these this species or the two species. It sounds like it's going to end up being one Porterian Rosea is going to be end up being the same species. But... We love them. We want to see more of them out there. So hopefully more of them get bred so we keep them in the hobby. But for if you're looking for one that's going to be out and about anytime you walk into that room, you, you can't do much better than a G. Porteri, G. Rosea. All right. So now we're coming to the last one we're going to talk about on this list, kind of list. And again, there's no... I have a list. I'm not going to lie. I'm looking at a list and all it's got is the names and a couple notes, but it, I did number them one through 11, but there's no way I bounced all around the list. It's just as they come. So it, I'm not going to say it depends on what you're looking for. For some people, if they're looking for a spider, that's going to be out in the open. They also want a spider that's, you know, particularly stunning and something that's really going to dazzle people. So the G. Porteri or the El Parahibana might not be their cup of tea, but I tried to put something on here for everybody, just your standard spiders, your beginner spiders species, some old world. There's a lot of different ones we could choose. So for the final, actually, we're going to do two more because I forgot one now that I'm looking at my list. But this one is kind of, I think, one of the best. And if we're going to do a list of the ones I would say, or when I bring people into the room, they're the ones that are going to have the most arresting effect on them where they're going to be like, wow, they make something like that. And Again, with a showcase spider, you sometimes want that sense of awe, and nothing causes a sense of awe like bright colors. Everybody loves the blue ones. Everybody, imagine one with blue, some green, maybe on the carapace, maybe an orangey red bum, and you've got a really beautiful looking spider. And then add in copious amounts of webbing, and you have something that sits right out in the open on its webbing with that sharp contrast of the colors against the white. It's just made for being showcased. And obviously, I'm talking about C. cyanial pubicins or the GBB, awesome showcase spiders. I have two of them. I have one of them that's in a semi-arboreal setup, one of them that's in a terrestrial setup. I will tell you, I have changed my way of keeping them and that I'm going to be putting the terrestrial one into the same type of setup because I found they have become a bit calmer, more calm, and I get a lot of the webbing and they're right out in the open. Mine that's in the bioactive enclosure is has webbed up the entire enclosure to a point where it's killing the plants in it now i knew this was coming but anyway she's got this big hammock of white and she sits right in the middle of it and i obviously have lights on during the day because of the bioactive plants the bioactive enclosures have plants in them and obviously we need to make sure they get their artificial sunlight 
so she sits there right under the light, just looking gorgeous. So we're talking about ones that are readily available. They're a little more pricey than some of the other ones, the slings, but they're a species that starts off looking pretty. I mean, the slings are gorgeous. And then again, they go through those color changes and each color change is gorgeous. They're as far as ease of care, they're again, bulletproof. They're an arid species. One of the few that the slings don't even seem to like a lot of moisture. So you don't have to worry about obsessively keeping the substrate moist. They grow fairly quickly, awesome appetites. And again, they will web. Usually the slings and juveniles will stay out and about. They'll web up. If you give them enough anchor points, they will do a lot of webbing and they can retreat to that webbing. However, I found that most of them will sit out in the open while they're waiting to hunt and only close that webbing off when they're in pre-molt. And that's a good sign for when, because they don't get as fat as some of the other species generally when they seal themselves off with webbing, that's pre-molt. And then once they're ready, they come right back out again. And then I found once mine hit, you know, around, honestly around two and a half, three inches or so around that size, they were always out and about, which is great because they're gorgeous. The one thing I will say is they tend to be a lot of people that are newer to the hobby find them to be very fast. I don't think they're some of the fastest ones I have. I've worked with much, much quicker tarantulas. However, the, as far as the beginner species, people coming in grabbing the so-called beginner species, and these guys are often put on beginner species list, they are very quick and they can startle people. So that's something to be aware of. And then mine did go through a phase where they kicked constantly. I barely bumped the enclosure and they would kick. Now, one of the things we've been talking about and I've been talking about with other hobbyists is whether or not keeping them semi-arboreally will help that. And it does seem to calm it down if you give them more depth, kind of like what we do with OBTs where we complain that they're super vicious, but if you give them enough depth, they kind of tend to hide. Same thing with the GBBs, although they won't hide. It just seems to give them more breathing room. So you're not right on top of them and it can curb some of those skittish behaviors. But as far as being their mine are always out and about. They're stunning. The colorations are stunning. People are totally in awe when they realize a spider or a tarantula can be that colorful. So they make awesome showcase spiders. And they're one that that's a species that if I had to go back and think of how many times people have asked me what's a good showcase spider, they're usually one of the top ones I recommend, if not the top one, just because they bring so much to the table. Just such awesome spiders. So again. I'm not going to call it number one because that's ridiculous because it all depends. It's All of us could have different lists and I'm sure what's going to happen and I'm hoping it's going to happen is some of y'all will chime in with species you think are good ones and we can all talk about. It. Again, some of the ones that I'm, the one I'm about to say, which I didn't want to miss from the list because I've had good luck with them, but I've talked to other people that have had, there's been a bit, a bit more shy chime in about it. If you have one that you don't see very often, chime in. Cause that way what happens is, is people go through, they read these comments and they realize, all right, Tom says his is very visible, but these five people said theirs aren't. And guess what? Then Tom's outnumbered. And I completely agree with that. So that way it's not me telling you go out and get this, you get it. And you never see your spider and go, Tom's a jerk. This way you can check and see what other people are saying. But the one I'm talking about is Harpactera pulchropes, one of my favorite all-time spiders, an old world species. I found mine. I've had three of them now. All of them have been very, very calm. Oh, four of them, because I had the male. Even the male was very calm. I have a male right now from my buddy Charles, who I'm going to be pairing after this podcast, again, trying to pair. But my females have all been very, they web a lot on the surface. They do some burrowing. Not deep, not deep burrowing. Like, it's shallow burrows with a lot of webbing on the surface. But mine are kind of just sit up there. And they are stunning spiders, especially before they put on the, the females. And one thing you guys need to know about these guys, because people, this I think is one of the most abused spiders as far as people throwing them on Instagram and jacking up all the levels on the colors and saturation to make them look brighter and more resplendent than they are, which I don't think needs to be done because they look great regardless. My older female now is losing some of the sharpness to the blues on her legs and her overall body isn't that fiery gold anymore. It's more of a muted shape, but she's still stunning. But the juveniles and young adults especially are very, very bright, very vibrant, just beautiful spiders. And even as adults, they look good. Even the males are a little drab, look good. But Again, this is a species I hesitated to put on here, but I've talked to a lot of people that have had the same experiences I have, where theirs are very out in the open. Mine are very laid back, which is nice too. But if you set them up in an enclosure that has some stuff to web to, give them some room to dig. But for the most part, they seem to do a little bit of digging, a lot of webbing on the surface, and mine sits right out in the open at all times. She's one of the ones I can go in and get a photograph of her anytime. Occasionally, if I get a little too aggressive or I get the light on her face, she'll slowly turn around and go into her hide, kind of like leave me alone. But but she doesn't bolt to the hide and more often than not, she's right out where you can see her. And again, they're stunning. So another one that could make a good one to the list and because we haven't had a lot of old worlds on this one. And that's because 
many of the old worlds, whether it be the old world arboreal species or the old world fossil species, you don't see them because they dig. So we really can't name a lot of them. And I'm sure people will come out and go, oh, I have, you know, an M. balfouri that stays out. And M. balfouri was one I considered, but mine spends so much time. They're either out in the open or you don't see them at all. So I, it's kind of hard to call them a showcase spider because a showcase spider is one you should see more often. Or I can't even include it. I mean, this is kind of a showcase slash most visible spiders list and it, for them to really make the list you you have to see them more often than not and, and unfortunately with the mbal 40 that's not usually the case so these are the ones in my collection that over the past week or so i've been coming in and seeing who's always out in the open who's not obviously there's going to be ones i mean i can think right off the bat some of the ones people might have different experiences with with the p cambridge eye uh, maybe the p rufalata and the H. pulchropies are three species I can think of that some people might chime in and go, you know what, I never see mine. And I got a funny feeling other people will chime in with specimens that for me are shy and reclusive, but for them are out in, op- uh, out in the open all the time. So for example, I just posted up a picture on Instagram of my Pyramenia and all you can see is her front feet. She was on the hunt and she was coming out and it was I, I was really proud of the picture, but I said how I never see her and a couple of people that I've spoken to since then have said theirs are out in the open all the time and actually a little bit nasty. So it depends on the specimen. So again, this is my list. This is what I found to be the most visible and we'll throw in showcase. But it, 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 I guess we could do another whole list of showcase spiders. But when you think of showcase spiders, they're ones that you see out and about all the time. So that's why we're kind of using those terms interchangeably. Most visible, the showcase spiders, the ones you're going to show people when they come over, the ones that you know that if you have company over aren't going to be you sitting there with a flashlight staring at a hole in the dirt, which happens quite a bit. These are the ones you're going to see often. Your friends are going to see when they come over. Your family's going to see often. Again, a lot of us, I think, get to the point where we start off with these species. I know I did. And then you start getting into the fossorial ones. And there's a whole we'll, – we'll tackle that one in a future one. But the, to, you learn to love the fossorials as well. But for people that are looking for something that they're going to – and I get it. I, I totally get it because, like I said, I was there before. You spend money on a spider, you want to see the spider. These are ones you're going to see. So this is my offering. It's not so much a list as it is just some thoughts on the ones that I keep that are visible. Feel free to chime in in the comments and let people know what you think are the best or most visible or your showcase spiders. I'd love to hear it personally. I'm sure, again, there's going to be ones on this list. I know somebody recently told me, emailed me about their Davis Penaloris and talking about how they absolutely love it and it's always visible and they showed off mine I haven't seen in a month. So it all depends on the specimen. And I'm sure I have ones on here that are visible that other people haven't seen. So this is my list. Feel free to disagree with it. Feel free to chime in. Again, I'm not saying this with any bit of authority. I want people to understand this isn't Tom saying these are the absolute best. This is what I've found in my experience to be the best and most visible spiders as far as showcase spiders are concerned. So that will do it for this one. I'm glad I got through it because once again, my voice is still kind of still trying to pass this cold off, which is getting really annoying and trying not to sniff in the middle of these. So I apologize for that. That's why I'm kind of a little more frantic and speaking a little more quickly than normal because I'm trying to get as much out as possible before I have to pause the recording and sniff or cough. So there we go. But anyway, thanks so much for listening. And as always, you can find me on tomsbigspiders.com or Tom's Big Spiders on YouTube. I, I just want to say thank you to a bunch of people who have been coming over and saying hi from the podcast, which has been really cool. And people have been leaving... Uh, questions on the older videos, which has been great because as you can see, I can usually get to them much more quickly because I, uh, again, most of my mail, quote unquote mail or comments come from YouTube stuff. So I always start there and I got some cool things coming up in YouTube as well. I have a collaboration coming up with California's Critters that I'm really excited about where she's going to be on my channel. I'm going to be on hers. And I obviously, I think being a teacher, love supporting the younger hobbyists because, again, they're the future of the hobby. And especially the ones that you can tell are doing it from, you know, a very educational standpoint. And I think California's approach is she's very bright. Really, somebody I really want to watch grow in the hobby because she has more poise right now at her age than I probably had in my 20s or 30s. So, again, I'm very excited about that one and still working on the video for Old World, which is turning into a beast. But I'm thinking this is going to be... This will be something I'm very, very proud of when all said and done. It just need to get the thing done because it's it's a lot of editing. A lot of the voiceover work on this one took me about 30 minutes just to do the voiceover on it. And so ways to go there, but that'll be something to look forward to. So anyway, thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you guys all next time.